0: Hello and welcome to the edition podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Henry, and I'm joined this week by the Irish independence Adrian Wecker, the tech editor there. How are you, Adrian? It's great to have you back.
1: I'm great, Charlotte. How are you?
0: All the better for having you back on the show. It's been far too long. We've got quite a big story to dig into it because it's a developing story. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Facebook's on, ongo- well, Meta, the parent company, but it involves the Facebook product, ongoing row with publishers and publishers ongoing row with Meta because of they're wanting payments for the content that is published on Facebook and Instagram, the publishers. And there are laws in various countries now really pushing hard on this. And we'll come to those specifics in a moment. And equally, Meta is kind of just gone, well, this is news is becoming more trouble than it's worth. So goodbye. Thanks very much for having us
1: that's basically it. So the the heart of this story is this ongoing tension between big tech and the news media with politicians on the side. Who pays for news? Is it possible to halt the decline of traditional media revenues? Spoiler alert, it isn't really at the moment, but that's at the heart of this. And what various jurisdictions have come up with, particularly the news media, most successfully in Australia, is they've come up um, with legislative plans where the parliaments or the lawmakers in those countries have passed bills or laws to say that big tech companies really what they're talking about is google and meta or google and metas uh, component platforms facebook and instagram are obliged by law to negotiate with the what's considered to be the traditional media players um, for the dissemination, distribution, access to news, to those news companies, information, articles, video, whatever, on those platforms. And it's kind of controversial for a whole load of reasons. Um, I suspect that listeners to this podcast won't have a great deal of sympathy with those laws. The The idea basically um, is that big tech is being leaned on to subsidise, you know, Rupert Murdoch's um, news companies because their advertising uh, is falling. Um, well, there,
0: there's an alternative argument to that, isn't it? That is Meta and its various platforms, and uh, and Google Alphabet and its various platforms benefit from the information that news publishers produce. So if you search on Google, you might see the answer to your question without ever having to click on a newspaper link, which is great for you, but not very good for the publisher.
1: Yeah, that was, that's was that been disputed as a bit of a trope. So that was a popular view particularly in the news media. So I've worked in traditional news media for over 20 years. I work for Ireland's biggest newspaper group. Which is for.
0: weird because you're only 25. So
1: <laughs> Actually, I'm facing a very big birthday oh. next month, and it's not 25, <laughs> but five is in the number. But, anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, but I've worked thirty five decades um, in traditional media. So that has paid my mortgage. That utterly uh, butters my bread. And that's to give context of what I'm about to say. But it's been popular in my business to claim that Google and Meta and all those have kind of risen on the back of our hard work, that actually people you know, get the benefit of our journalism and our entertaining information through these um, news, through these online platforms. And actually, I've interviewed executives at the very top of Meta and Google And they basically say it's not true. They make almost no money off news. Now, there may have been a time when they did, but they they argue that they don't make um, much money at all. Now, that has two consequences, that position on their behalf. And these are the consequences. Number one, Meta says, because it makes no money from news, it has no incentive to negotiate with either the Australian government or the Canadian government, which has just in the last week introduced a law which mimics the Australian law, which is to, to get um, big tech to pay traditional media companies um, for using... Uh, yeah, and that's
0: emissions. rather what prompted our conversation because yeah. you wrote up about it, and we, I want to come to some of the specifics in your piece shortly.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the that's consequence one. Meta says, do you know what? We're calling your bluff. Um, you say you want us to pay you uh, for you know information or mentions of your work on our platforms or links to your work that's fine we'll just we'll just exclude your link it's not going to hit our bottom line it'll probably hit your bottom line the other approach is by google and google has gone along so far with laws to compel this behavior but as i understand it from talking to google executives they have done so as a corporate lobbying exercise they're they're filing it in their accounts as kind of almost like a lobbying fee to keep other political tensions off their back right so that's the way they're they're, they certainly don't think they make money off it so if we as journalists believe that it's actually you know we're the ones what made them big um it, it there's not much compelling evidence to suggest that we have in fact if you look at what happened in Spain and I realize by the way I'm talking my own industry down this whole narrative but if you look what happened in Spain Spain passed a law a few years ago obliging uh big Tech companies essentially to pay for a link tax so any yeah. any link to uh, a newspaper story a Spanish newspaper story uh the big Tech platform had to pay mm. so Google for example Google just withdrew google news from the entire country to the point where spanish publishers actually were begging them to 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 allow them to post their links uh, back on on the platform now they the spanish ended up changing their copyright laws um about 18 months ago to back to something a little bit more like what they used to be it's a complicated bit because there is a european copyright directive yes. um which is being transposed at the moment and that does um, that does kind of, it's It's not as hard as the Australian law or the Canadian law. It does put some onus on the big tech firms to kind of share a bit more money around, but, but less so, and not exclusively for links.
0: I do think there is a fundamental difference between uh, Facebook and Google, though. So you're absolutely right that Facebook, Meta as a general parent company, and Facebook and Instagram as source it, you know their products have basically gone this is more trouble than it's worth thanks very much we don't need this um that that's clearly what's happened there are some uh you know there are on Instagram aren't there n- Instagram native news applications you know creators that have created news products within the Instagram ecosystem that's not what we're talking about we're talking about publications like yours which as you say is the biggest news yeah. publication in your country Um, and Facebook has gone, you're too much trouble to deal with. So thanks very much. Um, and as you point out in your piece, actually, when you wrote the Canadian law up just the other day, the Canadian law impacts you in Ireland, of course. And I, I assume it impacts publishers in Britain because Mm -hmm. if someone wants to publish one of your stories on Facebook in Canada, the law prohibits that now.
1: Well, I mean, that's right. So and it, it affects, I would say, British publishers more than Irish ones. I mean, publishers like Guardian, Mail, although they are, they do have their own American uh, offices. They're
0: more internationally focused. Off the yeah,
1: internet. they are. Yeah, And it's it, it, the independent as well, .co.uk. The, yep. They are also not insignificant news distribution uh, sources in all of North America, actually all, all around the world because they're English language. And, and,
0: and increasingly designed to be so.
1: Yes, and increasingly designed to, to be so. So um, it, it does have that extraterr- territorial, uh effect uh, for us, for, for the UK, um, for others. But it's really what it gets down is to the central question, which I think we'll probably get to the truth of in the next couple of years as these laws pan out. And that is, who actually benefits most from me sharing a news article on Facebook or Instagram, um, I don't know what the Google equivalent is anymore, um, YouTube maybe, like... Uh,
0: yeah, which is a whole a, different,
1: or, yeah, completely different game. And who who benefits from that? Uh, is, it, is it us, the publisher, uh, the Irish independents on the independent, um, or is it meta? And I think what's going to happen... Is that in a couple of years' time, in the harsher regimes like Australia, you'll see you'll start to see a whole load of publishers who will be renegotiate their contracts. So what'll happen is Google and Meta will just say no, we're we're not doing it anymore, and they'll renegotiate. Say okay, we'll we'll waive the fee. We'll keep mm-hmm. the law in place, but we'll waive the fee, and that's kind of happening at the moment in some jurisdictions it it happened on mass in spain where publishers were saying look this is going to kill our digital business model now that's a whole other podcast by the way whether you should be basing much of your your business model and you um you know would be i mean charlotte you would be in a better position than me to talk about you know being the front line of trying to promote and grow you know a media business online that's that's a whole different thing that's what i think is going to happen
0: yeah I, I, I keep turning back to this point. That I do think there is a fundamental difference between Meta and Google mm. when it comes to this. Meta—I mean, you wrote it in your story—that Meta has, you know, argued that news has no economic ba- benefit to it. Meta has always argued, even when it was plain old Facebook, that it was not a publisher. Mm. It was that it was the issue when people were discussing fake news being disseminated on there. It was a problem. This has been its argument that the whole way along: we are a platform, not a publisher. It made a bit of a mess of that when they tried to allow people to publish articles directly on the platform and whatever. But basically, that has always been its argument. Google is not saying that. Well, Google does insist it's not a publisher, but People go onto Google expecting to see news articles and being able to get the latest news articles. If people Google stuff about Tech in Ireland, they expect to find your work, Adrian. And mm-hmm. I think that is a very big difference between the two platforms and may eventually see them take different approaches to these kind of laws.
1: Yeah, I, I've no doubt that that is informing Google's alternate approach to this regulatory you know, fee or tax that it's being presented with than Meta. I've no doubt that you're right. That Google, when it comes down to it, um, is 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 saying, look, as a company, Google Search and Ads is where we make most of our money. Um, we are not set up as somewhere to you know connect people socially in the way that Instagram does or Facebook does with your family and friends. We it's fundamentally different and um, commercial products. So therefore, we're not going to take. We're not as outraged by the notion that um, news is a fundamental part of our business. Now, that being said, I, I will go back to what I said earlier on. I have interviewed senior executives from Google and not Google in here in Dublin, Google in the US, who basically say, look, not going to make a big deal about it, but news really isn't that much a uh, part of our business. And they left me in no doubt uh, uh, as as to why they would go along with some of this regulation. And the reason is it's outreach, it's to keep people sweet. It's so that it's just to lower the temperature. Mm-hmm. So if they have to pay, you know, if they have to pay 60, 70, 80, 100 million across the EU, maybe in a given year to news, to the biggest news publishers, that might, you know, quieten Axel Springer's cough. It might stop Rupert Murdoch's titles from all mysteriously in unison giving out about Google, right, mm. um, or and Fox at the same time. So
0: and the Wall Street Journal
1: and the Wall Street Journal, right? Exactly. So um, and and really, you know, we're, what we're getting to there is what the good faith is among big media as well, uh, and you know, like is is this being done really as a political favor between uh, parliaments and the biggest media groups? How much of this really is being done as a bona fide balancing of what's right and what's fair among media organizations and big tech? Like, will you get any of this cash, you know, as a growing sort of startup? Probably not. Okay. Uh, even though the UK, I think, is, has published its um, its own uh, a version of this in the last uh, month or two. It's the I think digital markets competition. Yeah, I mean, there's like been it.
0: a few things and there's, yeah. there's often conversations around this type of stuff without much action. And the UK often seems more reticent. Like, I find it hard to see a UK, certainly this UK government, taking the approach Australia or mm. Canada have.
1: Well, I mean, to be fair to the UK, I mean, the press has always been very strong there and has always had a very strong influence on government policy. Sure. But I don't think anywhere in the Western world has as strong an influence on government policy as Australia, where it's basically a bit of a stitch up, you know. Um, now, that's going go to that another time. But that's but the influence of the, the media barons in Australia is stronger again for anyone who thinks that Murdoch has had a huge influence in the US or in the UK. In UK and he yes. has. Yes. And he has. Take or, a little
0: trip to Sydney.
1: Yeah, well, very very much so. And then you see what sort of uh, what media power uh, really is. So I don't know if it will hit as hard in the UK, um, but if it even some version of that, why is it that my newspaper group as the biggest group in, in our uh, um, economy? Why do why should we get the benefit of that and not maybe, you know, other smaller uh, media organisations now smaller media organisations can but the distributed nature of media right now kind of makes a mockery of 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 you know some elements of these deals and what it sort of looks like is that the highest paid um corporate media executives who are paid in some cases millions of pounds or euro or dollars a year are being you know bailed out or substituted um, by some other billionaire, uh, big tech uh, firm, and h- how does that help genuine media?
0: Oh, Adrian, I've forgotten how cynical you can be.
1: Well, look, okay, I, having having been as negative as that, I'm going. To, I'm going to give you, for one second, the, the just very briefly the other side of the argument, and and the up the optimistic side and the no, noble side, and that is that no matter how it's arrived at, cynically or otherwise, you could make the argument that this really is an investment in sustaining professional media as a thing in itself. In the UK, you have the BBC. We have, in Ireland, we have the RTE. Mm-hmm. There are some equivalents across Europe. In fairness, Canada does have the CBC. Yes, the US...
0: which is a very powerful... I mean, the yep. CBC is much closer to the BBC than NPR is.
1: Right. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, NPR For is, example. NPR is... There's no comparison. No, it's, it's that tra- tra- chat. I mean, lots or of, or in fairness, in Australia has the ABC as well. Yes. But these are all. These are all somewhat publicly funded broadcasting. Um,
0: I'm noticing a theme of the the company, the countries that are closer to the BBC.
1: W- well, yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, but I mean, we we have it here as well in in, in RT in Ireland, and there's a, currently a scandal going on right now in Ireland over pay to the top presenters here and how much. That, of that, sounds fa-
0: that sounds familiar. Yep.
1: Yeah. And how much that pay was disclosed and how much wasn't disclosed. And, and it's quite a serious ongoing story here. But the idea of having um, some form of publicly verified, some form of public standard media is an idea and a concept that we still have. And, If you were to, if I was to try and make an argument in favour of these laws, asking big tech to cough up, I would say that that is probably the biggest practical benefit. And no matter how it's arrived at, ultimately, you are trying to protect or sustain the very idea of professional, somewhat impartial, somewhat independent media. Now I say somewhat. Obviously, your listeners will. Oof, oh, the, derision. the
0: the bbc is this npr is this well,
1: exactly yes. exactly and, and and that's fine but i think i think most of us in our quieter moments would agree that over the last 50 years in general um our centrally funded um public service media or broadcasting companies have tried to maintain a sense yeah. of um, of reflecting what the society is and who they are without being overly influenced by, you know, uh, um, commercial distractions, which are unavoidable in private yeah, media. It makes and a that's huge the way difference. I would frame this, the, these regulations. It might sustain that idea.
0: Yeah. And it makes a huge difference. And obviously there's the license fee model here in the UK, which I could do about eight weeks of shows with different people giving their opinions on, Um, you know this week we've seen this weekend you've seen some of the benefit of it and I've written about this the sort of the benefit of the BBC and there's no not many organizations in the world that I think could provide the level of coverage the BBC does of Glastonbury now you may be interested in watching Elton John you may not be but the BBC through its iPlayer had, I think, four stages, it might have been five, covered every minute of them. You could see whatever artists you wanted in high quality, up to 4K in some cases. That is a very special thing. So this is the point about I'm making is it's not just about news as well. Oh,
1: can I just make a It is astonishing to me as an outsider looking in at the UK, the flack the BBC gets. It's astonishing. Sure.
0: Oh, I, I agree with you entirely.
1: The BBC from the outside looking in is by a long way the finest media organization in the world. By a long way. There's nothing even comes close.
0: Uh, I'm a very big defender of the BBC and I always say that the license fee is the best value subscription that I pay for.
1: Incredible. Uh, So uh,
0: I agree with that. And I use something like Glastonbury, the Glastonbury coverage as an example of that. Um, Some people I noticed were complaining that as the weekend's events in Russia were going on, that wasn't covered as robustly, but someone I'm sure, you know, some BBC journalists. That was quite
1: difficult to cover, actually, in fairness. It was very
0: difficult to cover, and I suspect some BBC news journalists would make the point about what their resources they currently have compared to what they might have had. Anyway, that's a whole different debate. But I think your point is a salient one, that however annoyed I might be as a little upstart going, Mm -hmm. oh, right, why does, you know, The Times or The Irish Independent need protecting from Google and Facebook, whereas, you know, I get nothing, there is some value in maintaining a strong professional ecosystem the whole way down
1: yeah and and the the ultimate thing that we all need to avoid in my opinion is to go down the american route where media now is really just about um the battle in in a free, a free market contest for attention now that's that's fine uh, you know so far as it goes from a business point of view, from a culture and societal point of view, I would take huge issue with that when I see the, the you know, the, the divisions and the polarization I, that that has resulted in. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean, get me wrong, there's there's polarization in a lot of countries, but it, believe me, it's nowhere near as bad in the UK or in Ireland as it is in the US. No,
0: I mean, we think our media ecosystems are a bit chaotic because the sun here or whatever, yeah. the Daily Mail has a punchy front, you know, Punchy front page. I mean, I thought the you know the the traitors one about the Supreme Court judges, for example, was way beyond the line back in there about Brexit. But as a general, yes, we have punchy, fiery ecosystems. Very different model TV and newspapers in our countries compared to the US, because just the way the regulatory works. But. We've seen it. We've seen this with the sort of rise and fall of Chris Lick. We've seen it. What's happened with MSNBC. We see it. What happens mm-hmm. with Fox post Trump, so on and so. On. You basically have to get more and more extreme to keep viewers, yeah. and that does not happen in our countries.
1: No, it doesn't. And and I, it's one of the things that the older I get, the more. I'm satisfied. I mean, we all have these dreams and fantasies. Oh, maybe I could still move to the States. You know, it's got look at look at what I could do there. Look at the climate, look at the cities, look at the services. And then I think to myself, do you know what? It's actually a really nice place to visit. But if I get sick there, I'm screwed. <laughs> Eventually, if I live there and I'm a news junkie like I am here, I would become kind of radicalized, you know.
0: Oh, Again, yeah. I mean, the other.
1: And, and I mean, even and my dad lives in the States. He's actually lives in Chicago. He is an American and he's a very nice guy and other, but he has become fairly radicalized. Now his radicalization is on the left. So he would be.
0: Oh, it happens on both sides. no Oh, He, good would,
1: and sit, bad. he would sit in There's... front of MSNBC and he'd just scream at Republicans all day. Now I, on some of the points and the arguments, I happen to agree with them. But it's but the but whole not, culture. Yeah. But not the way that he's not the way that it's, that he's baited, you know?
0: It's a- yeah, media in America is a team sport in the way it's not in our different countries. I think mm-hmm. in nowhere near the same way. But again, coming back to these laws, mm-hmm. do you think these laws would do something to protect that kind of polarization, because they're keeping perhaps the more central tenets of the media going?
1: Uh, you can definitely make that argument. So, for example, if in so if in Germany build, for example, which is not known for being, it's no shrinking violet. If it benefits from this, will it have any incentive to be more radical, more polarized, to to stay at the same levels, or to be a little bit more evenly tempered? I don't know. I think with the discussion we've just had for the last 10 minutes, my instinct is that it might have a tempering influence on the click, the extra pressure to go click, play the extra pressure to generate outrage for its own sake as a business enterprise that's my instinct and um, now i work in a private media organization like private sector Irish independent i see the pressures you know on a daily basis that we have and the tensions between something which might get an extra bit of conversation reach uh, of engagement if it's a little bit more controversial and it's 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 by and large our own sense of portionality and you know to some sense of vocation that I think holds us back from doing that because we have the audience and we probably wouldn't be challenged if, if we effectively if we did and we'd be giving one section of the audience uh, what they wanted uh, more of if there was a payment to allow us does that give us a little bit more of a cushion to say look we don't have to go there we can mm. actually be good we can actually take the high road that's how I'm choosing to think of it. Yeah. Um, oh, but I you don't could again argue it
0: the other way. The more we get on Google, the more we clicks we get on Facebook, the more they have to pay us. You can argue it both ways, I guess.
1: You could. Yeah.
0: Um, and yours is not uh, a place where there are not divisive issues. and We, no, will, no, <laughs> we will leave not. it at that.
1: No. Now, to, yeah, look, to, to, to be fair, I'll just say it again. It seems like I say it every time I come on your podcast, like, By and large, living in the UK or living in Ireland, you know, compared to a lot of the places, we actually have a pretty good from that point. There there is actually a genuine sense of community and solidarity, even if it does not share with everyone, even if there is, you know, divisiveness and the people trying to stir it up and media organizations. By and large, there is a fairly calm center uh, core to these societies. and I really think that media has played an important part there. Um, I I worry about it every week that's going to break up.
0: Yeah, I mean, you and I both consume an awful lot of American media, but uh, I'm always reticent that our countries import some of its worst character. I'd like us to import many of the best innovative characteristics of of American media. Mm. And I'm always wary of importing uh, the less salubrious elements of it, which anyway, just finishing off the conversation, particularly about meta, Mm. meta has bounced around this issue of news for quite a long time you know it was only july 2022 basically a year ago that it stopped the facebook news tab which had been playing about for three years Mm -hmm. it has bounced around this issue a lot and i guess that uh, it just goes back to what we said these laws are just making it uh, confirming to meta what it knows already that news is more trouble than it's worth to them
1: Meta doesn't have an awful lot to lose. Even if it was making something off news, Meta's position at the moment is an, in a, one of extreme existential angst. Is, as you know, it is really struggling to get across its interpretation of the metaverse. Yes. Um, as opposed to Apple's, for example. Apple has a clearer idea of what it thinks mixed reality is going to be. Mm. Meta has an idea, but it has really failed so far to gain uh you know popular support f- or, or imagination for that at the same time it's been walloped in, in on, on other fronts by apple through its do not track uh, on the iphone um and also from, <laughs>
0: in which from- you and i have both watched apple keynotes where they might as well have just been dancing around facebook logos with two fingers up
1: uh, absolutely absolutely and apple apple can say that it's on taking the moral high ground on it because of privacy and nobody disagrees with what apple did so it's it's yeah you know, but we win all win know who the apple target was lose lose for meta um we all that. know
0: who the target was don't we adrian right let, yeah. I i want to finish up actually is it just jumping back a little bit about something that was led from your country from ireland mm. which was another while well, you were talking about facebook getting walloped by things uh meta got hit by a record eu fine around gdpr it was yeah. about 1.2 billion euros that's about that's right just over a million quid i'm not going to do it try and work it out in dollars um basically and this came from our uh, investigation in ireland yep. which often the tech regular eu tech regulation does yep. i guess because a lot of um tech american tech companies eu headquarters are in dublin yeah
1: so absolutely, it's one point two billion euro, which is over a billion pounds, and that the particular fine was wrapped up in this ongoing privacy war between the US and the EU, where, um, the EU basically through a series of court judgments and privacy regulations, GDPR, said that the Americans don't respect uh, EU privacy when personal data, in this case, transferred on the Facebook platform, gets trans gets visited or transferred or uh, over to the US, either from your relatives or friends there or on data service there. What the EU says is that the Americans will just surveil that data uh, for their own security reasons. And that's not to our EU privacy standard. Okay, Aye, It breaks that, GDPR. Yeah. And therefore, and this is where the massive sledgehammer comes in, um, Meta had to pause all of its... Personal data transfers from the EU to the EU US. Now, why Meta in particular? Because there was a court case challenging Meta specifically as a test case on the subject. So, Meta is a. This could apply to every company, but but it they're is always going to be the
0: big. They're always going to be the biggest target, Meta.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, um, and and uh, on top of this major order, which the Irish Data Protection Regulation uh, regulator was herself ordered to give by uh, the European Court of Justice. Um, It was a a 1.2 billion euro fine because of the lack of proper controls um, that Meta had or didn't have uh, when deciding how they were going to transfer all this data. Now, it's quite complicated. And ultimately, I don't think Meta will have to stop the data transfers. Number one, because it would be chaotic. Number two, because um, the EU and the US at the moment are negotiating a new transatlantic data treaty and that will supersede this judgment, and we're expecting that um, in the next few months. But it is worth pointing out, and to, to answer your question, that's 1.2 billion euro. In the last two years, the Irish regulator has slapped fines in total of two and a half billion euro on Meta. Now, that starts to add up. I mean, I know yeah. Meta is a rich company and everything, but, but when you start talking about multiple billions, billions yeah. by it does matter. The way, all of that money, you know where it goes. Go on. Irish taxpayer. <laughs> it's well, every single cent of it. Lucky word. At the moment, we're rolling them. Ireland is actually now, I think they're saying we're going to have an additional 15 billion euro or something. This we're, We've got up to 60 billion in additional money, mainly from big tech taxes and fines. We may, don't forget, also get to keep the 14 billion euro uh tax fine that apple was slapped. yes yes That's it's not only meta so we are on a win-win run like a <laughs> vegas style win-win run the likes of which you've never seen before
0: maybe i'll have to come move down your street um let's just put the meta uh argument i don't want to go full 2010 i agree with nick Mm-hmm. But he does make a reasonable point here, sonic Clegg. And it was he wrote a statement with Jennifer, and you said the chief legal officer as well at face at Meta. He says without the ability to transfer data across borders, the internet risks being carved up into national and regional silos, restricting the global economy, and leaving citizens in different countries unable to access many of the shared services we have come to rely on. That is not an unreasonable point. No.
1: It's it's entirely reasonable. And Nick Clegg, when he talks on this subject, makes a lot of very pragmatic and uh, practical uh, uh, points about it. The problem here, from Nick Clegg's point of view, he's not taking issue when he says that with the point itself. He, he is right. The, the problem is there is this insurmountable barrier between the U.S. and the EU. So who backs down first? Does the U.S. say, "Do you know what, EU? we're right. We're not actually going to protect our country in the way that we say we want to. So we're not going to, as we deem fit, surveil internet communications when we think it's necessary to protect our country. Is the US going to do that? No. Is the European Union then going to say, you know what, US, we've decided that you can spy and surveil as much as you want on our citizens. And we're going to just ignore our GDPR law. We're going to ignore our constitutional right to privacy that we think is important. So we're going to make an exception for you. Go right ahead.
0: Have fun. Yeah,
1: it's just not going to happen. No. Who backs
0: down? And the EU has made quite a political point of being, in the same way from a private company, Apple has made a point of being the leaders in privacy. The EU politically is trying to do, I think, put itself in the same position. Anyway, it's going to be fascinating to watch. It's going to be fascinating because again, this all comes back to the news industry in a way because if Facebook is hit, if Facebook is, you know, in trouble, that will again put pressure on it about things like sharing news links. It's all adding to the pressure facing this company. So it's all going to be interesting to see. And I'm so pleased that you're here to unpack a bunch of it with us, Adrian. Where can people uh, keep up with your work until Facebook and Google won't show it anymore?
1: You can just Google me. You know, yeah. just Google the independents. <laughs> no, you can you, you can find me on Twitter at Adrian Weckler or you can uh, you can you can visit independent.ie or just just Google us.
0: Head over to independent.ie to keep up with all Adrian's excellent work. I'm at Charlotte A. Henry on the Twitters and across all different social media platforms. Um, Do, of course, head over to theedition.net where you can read the blog posts. You can sign up to the newsletter as well, or you can go straight to newsletter.theedition.net to take out your subscription. There's still a few days left of the 20% offer annual subscription as well. So I hope you take up that offer. Adrian, thanks once again for taking the time to explain all of this. And I'll see you all next week. (music) you. <music>